tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. It has any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. Oh, just discussing the news with the voice in my head. The mind boggles and the stomach turns. But other than that, we're going to talk about... (laughs) Now, is that live? (laughs) He says these things. He doesn't go live. Other than that, that, Mrs. Lincoln. Oh, dear. (laughs) Yes, how was the play? Ay, Gavalt, as we say in Skokie. Let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. (sighs) Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. Do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, here we are then. Let's open the big book on the coffee table. Short readings, but good ones. This is Isaiah, the 48th chapter. Are you short reading, short homily, Father? Is that Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I, the Lord, your God, teach you what is for your good and lead you on the way you should go. If you would hearken to my commandments. There's another one of those words, hearken. When was the last time you hearkened? <laughs> if, you, if you would listen to my commandments, your prosperity would be like a river. Or actually, hearken probably means more pay attention. But your prosperity would be like a river, your vindication like the waves of the sea. Uh, This is true. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it other than, uh uh-huh. Because, you see, I'm sure you've heard me say that, that I should be grateful to the Lord every time I see a stop sign or a stoplight. Because the way I drive, if it wasn't for stop signs and stoplights, at which I make a full stop, I would be roadkill. Um... Laws are gifts if they're just and good laws. The Ten Commandments are grace. People always argue about being, you know, works and 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 grace. The Ten Commandments are grace. Grace is what's given to conform you to the image of Christ in twenty-four hours, uh, twenty-four hours a day. That's that's there's sanctifying grace and actual grace. Sanctifying grace. Uh, um, means that you are in you are spiritually alive by the gift of God, but actual grace are those things that you receive in a day that conform you to the image of Christ. I I, I tell you all the time about Romans the eighth chapter: those whom he foreknew, he predestined 
to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the first of many brothers and sisters. You see, God wants to adopt us. He wants to make us part of that family, which is the Trinity. And in order to do that, he has to make us look like Jesus. So what does Jesus look like? Galatians, the fifth chapter. The fruits of the Spirit are these, love, peace, patience, joy. We've got to look like Jesus. And if you if you were to go into the carpenter shop in Nazareth, you wouldn't say, oh, what lovely blue eyes he had, just like the guy in the calendar on the refrigerator. No, you would say he was so kind, he was so patient. You would be overwhelmed first, not by the way that Jesus looked, but by his, his virtue. And God wants to conform us to the image of Christ. How does he do that? Uh, uh, one of the first vehicles of it is the Ten Commandments. They are grace. It's a gift from God when we are told no. You, If you're a parent, you know that you like to say yes to your kids because they like you when you say yes, and you like to be liked. But a lot of times you got to say no. I think I shared with you when I was a little four-year-old and my, my brother was in Cub Scouts, and they got to light fires, and I thought that sounds wonderful. So me and my little four- and five-year-old buddies, we had a club, and our clubhouse was underneath the front porch and I asked my mom for some matches so we could light a fire under the front porch in our clubhouse and my mother just like my brother Bill in the Cub Scouts and my mother looked at me and said are you out of your mind mommy clearly doesn't love me because she didn't give me what I wanted (laughs) well guess what she loved me and she liked the house as it was sort of in an unburned condition Uh, you want to say yes to your kids, but the fact is that when you say no to your children, you do it with more love frequently than when you say yes. The definition of love in the world means yes. It's love means, what is that, that ridiculous movie, love story? Love means never having to say you're sorry. Yeah, tell that to someone who's been married for 20 years. Love means never having to say your sorry. I'm sorry, dear. Please forgive me, dear. You know, that, that, that when we say no to our children, I'm sorry, dear, but no, you cannot have matches. We do it with more love than, than uh, when we say yes frequently. And so God's commandments are grace. Isn't that... Isn't that uh, Uh, an amazing thing when you think about it. So when God tells you to do something or not to do something, that in itself is grace. We're saved by grace through faith. Uh, That includes the commandments, uh, as we're going to see later, actually, in the Word of the Day. So God's ten suggestions, as they call them, are very, very important. And... uh, they're, they're, don't touch that. It's poisonous. That's a real gift. All right, let's move on to the gospel here. The gospel, oh, there's, is there any, I think there was something else I wanted to mention about, nah, it pretty much covers the first reading. Um, oh, oh, again, the word redeemer. Um, oh, I should have looked this up, and now, I, of course, I will. Um, it, it's goel in Hebrew, uh, but think of redemption. I mean, Think of, think of um, uh, okay, I got to hit that button. I got to hit another button. Oh, quality radio here. Um, okay. Think of redemption. I, I, I've shared with you uh, what the word redemption means in, uh, in uh, Latin. It means to buy back. If you were taken 
as a hostage or uh, captured by pirates or brigands, you would be sold into slavery. That was big business. That's where Roman generals made all their money uh, in the sale of slaves. Uh, well, if your family knew where you were, um, you would they would go and they would they would buy you back. Uh, they would redeem you. Uh, that's that's what redemption means. Um, it's a lot stronger in Hebrew, oddly enough. It is the word I was thinking of, goel. Uh, not Noel, goel. Uh, the, the, to be restored to your position in the family is redemption. So to be saved is to be snatched from imminent death. To be redeemed is to be restored to your position in the family. And that's much clearer in the Hebrew word. Uh, um, Thus says the Lord, your your goel. Uh, The goel was the avenger of blood. He was the the, uh, uh, member of the family who had the right to, uh, 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 or the duty rather, to purchase back what belonged to the family. And he would have, that would have been the job of, of, say, paying the debt of someone else or buying them back from slavery. And it was always thought of as a kinsman. The word goel is better translated kinsman redeemer. Thus says the Lord, your kinsman redeemer. God is claiming you in this verse as a member of the family. And that's what the commandments are there for, to conform you to the image of of Christ, to conform you to the image of God. Think about the commandments. The commandments are, reflect the fullness of human nature, and they reflect the reality of divine nature. First three commandments are about right relationship to God. Okay, those reflect all sorts of wonderful things about God and man. But the other commandments, the first three commandments have to do with our relationship with God. The other seven have to do with our relationship with one another. Honor your father and your mother that it might go well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. We Catholics count that as the fourth commandment. Well, God is, we read in the letter to the Ephesians, uh, the source of parenthood, the source of fatherhood. I fall on my knees to the Father of Jesus, from whom every fatherhood in heaven and on earth takes its, its name. I think it's on, in heaven and on earth. And then uh, the fifth commandment as we count them, thou shalt not kill. God is the giver of life. The sixth, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, 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 God is faithfulness. Uh, thou shalt not uh, uh, steal. God is generosity. Uh, thou shalt not uh, uh, bear false witness. God is truth. Thou shalt not covet the ninth and the tenth commandments as we count them. God is grace. What's so wrong with coveting? I mean, you see something nice and you want it and your neighbor has it. And you think, i got to get me one of them. Uh, to be, you know, to want something is not bad, but to, to the point, I remember hearing a story of Mary Lincoln, uh, uh, who was uh, had, you know, spending issues. I don't want to gossip about anybody, but, well, the president's wife's already come up on this show. So uh, someone walked in uh, to visit Mrs. Lincoln and uh, had a certain a very nice uh, hair ribbon. And Mary Lincoln said, I want that. I, I want that. And she thought, oh, that's really, no, I, I want it now. Give it to me. That's covetousness. Uh, well, to, to covet is to say God has not been gracious, and he is graciousness, the author of grace. So the Ten Commandments reflect the very nature of God. 
And if you're going to be the kinsman of God, to be redeemed by your kinsman redeemer, you, the commandments are, are, are integral to that process of adoption. Uh, they reflect the fullness of human nature, that, that just as uh, God is truth, for instance, thou shalt not bear false witness. I don't want to be lied about or gossiped about. So I shouldn't lie or gossip. I don't want to be killed, so I should not kill. I don't want to be cheated on, so I should not cheat on my spouse, and so on. I don't want to be disrespected by my children, so I should respect and honor uh, my parents. Uh, even parents who are not very honorable. People say, how can I honor my father? He was a drunken, etc., etc., etc. How can I honor my mother? She abandoned us, etc., etc. Did your father tell good jokes? Well, yeah, he did tell good jokes. He was a terrible man, but he had a good sense of humor. Well, honor that. Your mother, if you are fighting with your mother and you don't like your mother, and there's a lot of people who have a hard time with their mothers, was she a good cook? Well, honor that. Find something honorable about your parents, even if it is their penmanship. Um, because if you hate your parents, you hate part of yourself. And this is an important commandment. So all of these things, all these commandments are there to give us life and to give us hope. So there you go. Now let's move on to the gospel. <sighs> to what shall I compare this generation? It's like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another. We played the flute for you, did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. This is kind of like, you'll forgive the reference, but Simon says... Uh, um, it was a children's game. We don't know the game, but I imagine it was something like people played the flute or made a flute sound and the kids had to dance. And they sang a dirge and the kids had to start pretending they were crying. Or they It was kind of like Simon Says, you know, do this. And then they'd play the flute. Who knows? Maybe that was it. Well, people he, he's saying that people are, are like children in this. Uh, they, they want to... to uh, to have it both ways, that that uh, uh, we want you to dance and we want you to mourn at the same time. Well, the Son of Man came eating and drink. John came neither eating nor drinking. In other words, he fasted and was extreme. Well, he's possessed by a demon. Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, look, he's a glutton and a drunkard. You know, I look at, at um, um, things like the Shroud of Turin, for instance. And people will go to great lengths to prove or disprove it. Now, I personally believe the Shroud of Turin is what it seems to be. Um, however, I think most people want to prove a position, historical, theological, even scientific, to agree with their prejudices. And that's what Jesus is saying here, uh, that... that um, you can't you can't have it both ways. Uh, if if I don't like you, I'm. Have you ever? Let me put it this way: Have you ever met someone and you don't like them, and then you think of good reasons not to like them as you go along? Well, you're not being objective, no matter how objective you think you're being. And people decide I don't like this Jesus. I didn't like his cousin John either. Well, I didn't like John because he fasted too much. I don't like Jesus because he doesn't fast enough. Well, make up your mind. I don't like it because it isn't me. That's why you don't like it. It isn't me. Somehow I'm threatened by this position. So, again, your likes and my likes, your dislikes and my dislikes, have absolutely nothing to do with the truth. You know, um, I served most of my life in poor parishes. Um, 
I didn't necessarily like ministry to the poor. I didn't necessarily like the poor. It's just God did. I didn't agree with him on this point, but, well, like I'm always telling you, God has this problem. He thinks he's God. You know, people can think, oh, he was so dedicated. I have a very dear friend who has run a soup kitchen for years and years. Um, oh, he's dedicated to the ministry of the poor. No, he's dedicated to the Lord. <laughs> He'd be the first to admit that. Uh, he, uh, he is not at all pompous. He is not at all interested in the rich either. <laughs> he just, he's, he's, he is himself. But, uh, oh, he's just so dedicated to the poor. Nah, he's dedicated to the Lord. And unfortunately, the Lord whom he loves and to whom he has given his life is dedicated to to the poor. Now, I've thoroughly embarrassed a good friend. I hope he's not listening, but uh, uh, um, <laughs> at any rate, uh, oh, I got to tell this story. <laughs> oh, this is, this is very embarrassing. He, he knew Dorothy Day, who, uh, um, and he was invited to, uh, to um, uh, a, a sort of commemoration of Dorothy Day. He was, you know, had been with the sainted Dorothy Day, and um, he he just found this whole process awful. Dorothy Day hated it when people canonized her, just hated it. She said, don't you call me a saint. If you call me a saint, that means you don't have to do this. I'm not a saint, <laughs> and you're not off the hook. You have to honor God by serving those he loves, the poor. So uh, uh, this fellow, whose name I won't name, uh, went to this grand ceremony uh, honoring Dorothy Day years after her death. And he said, well, when you got to know her, Dorothy was just a, a, another crabby old lady. And the devotees of Miss Day were horrified. The only other person who was there who had actually known Dorothy Day said, yeah, he's right. When you got to know her, she was just a crabby old lady. She was a crabby old lady who loved God and obeyed him. So I think that this idea of, uh, well, I'm going to be the judge of God. We're not the judges of God. We can't say that, well, John the Baptist is possessed by a demon, uh, and we can't say, well, Jesus, uh, you know, was a drunkard and a glutton, but in the way we do. So I don't know where that goes, but uh, God allowed me to tell a wonderful Dorothy Day story and about a friend of hers who will remain anonymous who's going to kill me when he hears that I, <laughs> I've discussed this on the radio. At any rate, now if you're friends of his, don't tell him. <laughs> All right. Uh, we should go to a break before I say something even stupider. Oh, 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We'll be right back, I hope. That's life. That's love. That's what all the people say. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. Often when I was a guitar-toting hippie student, I played this song... At, at masses, I confess, I am just, this whole mass hysteria thing is just confession of sin on my part, but I could, I played it because I could play, I was an accomplished musician, I could play G, C, D, 7th, and E minor. They were strange times. Let us now go to mass hysteria. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Oh, 
I have a letter I have to read. <laughs> oh dear, where is it? Let me let me pull it up here. This I'm not going to identify anybody, but you made fun of coffee table masses. What's really wrong with it? If the priest is using the proper matter to consecrate, obviously not bagels. Bagels, I think, might work. They're wheat, but at any rate, leaven doesn't add anything to the actual. Uh, 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 that uh, the voice in my head. Did, we, did they hear that? Oh, the the, the voice in my head just said, uh, "Leaven isn't there? Leaven and the leaven doesn't actually add anything to the substance of the bread. Oh. It adds gas." Uh-huh. It bubbles. That's all right. it does. It, it it raises the. In fact, is the Orthodox think that it's heretical of us not to use leavened bread because leaven. Really? It's a, the rising of the bread is a symbol of the resurrection. Mm, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> all right, moving along. Uh, it's it's both it's both and. All right, moving along, moving along. Uh, the, Jesus had the first mass at the Last Supper, which was around a dining room table. What? In college, we went on a retreat with the Newman Center and had Mass sitting in a circle. It was very reverent. Why must we insist on pomp and circumstance at Mass? It bugs me that we put so much money into elegant altars, golden tabernacles, expensive statues and icons. Is this what Christ would really want for us? Well, first of all, let us assume, and I agree with you, that the first Mass was at the Last Supper. They didn't have the Last Supper sitting around a dining room table. First of all, they reclined to eat in the Greek and Roman style. And the supper would have been served on small, what we would regard as, well, almost coffee tables. It was about coffee table height. But the Last Supper went according to what is called a Seder. The Passover meal is called the Seder. And in Hebrew, that means order of service. It was a very ritual thing and very precise. If you've ever been to a Seder, it wasn't just, yeah, pass the bread, pass the wine. Oh, no. It's, in fact, I was just talking about Seders at Agudas Akim with Rabbi Lefkowitz. May he rest in peace. They took three to four hours. Now, the Seder is longer and more involved than it was the time of Christ, but there was still a Seder, an order that, in which things had to be done. So it was very formal. And that idea of, of why should we spend all this money on, on, uh, on golden tabernacles, expensive statues and icons. Um, well, the curie of ours, I think I shared this a couple of weeks ago, St. John Vianney, the curie, the, curie the, the parish priest of Ars, a city, in, a town in southern France, he had threadbare cassocks, uh, ratty hair, and lived on uh, potatoes. Uh, he'd cook a bunch, boil a bunch of potatoes at the beginning of the week, and by the end of the week, uh, he was shaving off the mold. That was what he did for food. Uh, he got all sorts of wonderful furnishings for the rectory from the rich lady in the manor house on the hill when he came to our, but he sent it all back except a table, bed, and chairs, because that's all he needed. He lived very simply, but he bought the most beautiful things for the liturgy. Because God was worth it. Now, God, you know, he says, why are you, I'm not interested in this stuff. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. However, our offering it to the Lord is a blessing for us. 
uh, the the uh, what Jesus said. Think of what Jesus said at at uh, uh, when when the woman came in and spent uh, uh, and, and broke an alabaster jar open full of 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 expensive perfume, and it was worth three hundred. Uh, I think it was worth three hundred denarii. That's three hundred days' wages. That's that's in the in the tens of thousands of dollars. And Judas said, this could have been given to the poor. And Jesus said, um, the poor you have always with you. Me, you don't always have. Um, think about it. The beautiful icons, the beautiful golden tabernacle, the beautiful vestments, the beautiful altar. These, these churches, these beautiful old churches. Now, of course, we build churches that look like a, 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 a sort of cleaned out pizza hut. I always call them... Uh, spaceships on the planet ugly, uh, but they're more utilitarian and they're less less gaudy. Well, have you thought about it? These beautiful churches that people built, poor people, poor immigrants built with a collection of nickels and dimes, um, they're palaces for the poor. Where else can a poor man sit next to a rich man and see beautiful art and hear beautiful music? Unless, of course, he goes to a church that has decided to redo itself in burlap and folk music. You know, all that new stuff that's now 50, 60 years old. The church is the palace of the poor. And if you want to have an ugly church in a rich neighborhood, fine. But in poor neighborhoods, if you really want to serve the poor, do something beautiful. Because when the poor are served, God is served. So... Yeah, the 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 uh, the idea of of Jesus would have done it simply. No, he wouldn't have. He was a Jew and he followed a seder. I don't know that it was the Judean seder, but it was an order of service. And the idea that well, this money could be better spent on the poor. First person to say that was well, <laughs> Judas. All right, let's uh, move on to letters. I have rather strong opinions about this, don't I? But, meh. All right. Now, oh, dear. Let's see here. I have all these nice letters here. This is from Mary, uh, who asked, I mentioned this the other day. Um, she's asking prayer for her brother-in-law, Ray. And we did pray the other day. But, Lord, while well, we got you on the line, um, bless Ray. Uh, and, and we ask you to heal him. Um, he's... And everyone who suffered from, from COVID, Lord, it's so frightening to so many. And we ask you to heal him. All right. That's sad. You know, I I, I remember uh, the grandson of a friend of mine um, who um, he got COVID. Of course, it took he was ill for all of a day um, or two because he was young. But uh, he was so terrified. Uh Grandma, am I going to die? And no, I was so terrified. We need to be careful of, we need to take it seriously, but we need to make sure that we don't uh, make people crazy. I don't want to get into that. All right, this is from Bill, uh, and uh, he's actually from Northwest Indiana. Another number of questions was our Blessed Mother of the Ascension, and or who was? Well, it says in the scripture that Jesus took the disciples. Uh, up with him. Um, I don't think we have any biblical uh, evidence that our Blessed Mother was at the Ascension. 
Um, you know, I, 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 the word I think is in certain contexts is disciples, and I, I don't know that she would have been in that group. Uh, then the question, um, uh, the uh, um, how long have I been do how long have I been doing this? Do you know? I don't know. Somebody asked. Don't know how long you've been doing this. Show I don't either. Longer. I've asked you, and you didn't. Know. I don't know. See, asked how long uh, I was on. Go ask your father, which was a show I did with Monsignor Sweat and with Father Rocky. But I have no idea how long I've been doing this. It's, it's not been. It doesn't seem like that long. I have a lot of fun doing it. I'll find out. Okay. And then uh, this is a lot of questions in one letter. At a priest whose masses I used to attend, he would say Spirit instead of Holy Spirit. Is there anything wrong with that, or does it just sound bad? It's 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 uh, it's less precise. And yes, there is something wrong with it because if he's preaching the sermon and he says spirit, fine. If they're prayers like the prayers of the faithful that he's allowed to improvise, that's fine. But in the rest of the mass, the word is the phrase is Holy Spirit, and again, it is an order of service. I am not the author. Of this, this prayer does not belong to me, the priest, or even to you, the congregant. It is the obligation, the work, in that sense, of the people, and that includes people from day one until the end of the world. So I'm not free to improvise, and that's an improvisation. And uh, why he does it, I don't know. Maybe you can ask him uh, lovingly and respectfully. So, and the last one, my big pet peeve. <sighs> This is good. This is why I want to read the whole letter, because this is a peeve worthy of petting. My pet peeve, or big peeve, I guess, is the priest waiting for the music to stop before he can continue with the Mass. I have heard organists say, well, the song tells a story. You have to have the whole story. That's not what we're here for. We're not here to hear a story written by some composer in the late 1800s. Again, we don't, in the Catholic Church, we're not supposed to sing songs at Mass. We're supposed to sing the Mass. And it's supposed to be a whole and continuous cloth. So, very, I agree with you. It is also a pet peeve of mine. Now, okay, this is from, uh, let me look at my watch here. We're doing, we're doing well. This is from Carolyn. Hi, Father. Um, uh, I was wondering, uh, I enjoyed your your talk about, you know, Omega Israel. And the the worm, the, uh, the word in that text was uh, tola, which seems to refer, at least the sources I looked at, to us, it can mean scarlet uh, or it can mean worm. And it probably refers to a red worm. Um, uh, dyes were taken from nature. I am not sure. I'd have to do more research to see if there was a worm that was used as a dye. But it, the texts I looked at generally refer, said it was a red worm. Uh, and worms are kind of red. Uh, what popped into my mind immediately was this. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Isaiah 118. Maybe that's a reference for a red worm uh, whose coloring or stains or dyes is red. You know, this is the thing about the Bible. It can it's like a diamond. You look at a new facet. And yes, it if it bring if the Holy Spirit brings that to mind, well, it's in there. It may not have been intended by the author, the human author, but the Holy Spirit is using it to speak to you. I always say that the Bible 
it's essential that we learn the Bible because it's the vocabulary of the Holy Spirit. If we want to hear God, we have to hear him with a biblical cadence in a certain sense. Um, I've heard more often uh, um, that it's it's a reference to the, uh, this is very interesting, to the red uh, thread tied on the uh, door of the temple. And I think it was also part of it was tied on the horn of the goat on Yom Kippur that was sent out in the desert offered to Azazel. Um, that 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 by the end of the day they knew that the sacrifice had been accepted because the red thread tied to the the temple door had turned to white. This the Talmud says stopped about forty years before the destruction of the temple. And what happened forty years before the destruction of the temple? The crucifixion. So the Yom Kippur after the crucifixion, the Yom Kippur sacrifice seems, according to Talmud, to never have been accepted by the Lord, and that's the red thread did not turn white. Um, it's in Talmud, so there you go. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, we opened the phone lines. I think we got a few phone calls already. Eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. And today's going to be an exciting experiment. I'm looking at a call screen. So I'm going to try to do this without appealing to the voice in my head. I hope I don't insult the voices in my head. They're so useful. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com forester. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Oh, I was just sharing with someone this morning about when I was a kid, December was about 80, 90 days long. Um, and the, the clock would sometimes actually go backward. Um, now I'm realizing it's two weeks to Christmas. <laughs> I'm not at all ready, and I'm not doing much for Christmas. I'm an old guy. But uh, it is kind of funny how when you're a kid, December is the longest month of the year, sometimes stretching into a year or two. And when you're our age, it's like, nah, it's December. Uh, humbug. No, 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 not humbug. Christmas is wonderful <laughs> when it's over. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's go to the word of the day before I say something stupider. All right. The word of the day, have you noticed, uh, this is a very confusing section of Scripture. They say, you know, John is possessed by a demon, and the Son of Man eats and drinks. He's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus says, but wisdom is vindicated by her works. Well, I looked at that word vindicated, and in Greek, where, let me find it here, where did I put it? it in Greek, it is Edikayothi, which means justified. DK is justice, and this is justified. And did you notice in the first reading uh, that that uh, um, well? Let me let me pull up the first reading back again. Click button A, insert tab B. Stand on one foot. Uh, computers. If you would hearken to my commandments, your vindication. Uh, would be like the waves of the sea. Vindication appears in the gospel reading, in the first reading, and I looked up the Hebrew word, and it is also justified. Uh, I wonder why they translate it vindicated. Uh, 
Vindicate comes from the Latin word for force. To vindicate means to win the battle, to win the argument. But that's not the word that is is uh, um, uh, in either text. Uh, in Hebrew, it's uh, tzedakah, uh, which is tzedek uh, is is righteousness, and in Greek, it's it's from the word dike, which means justice. So what's going on there? Your righteousness would be like the waves of the sea. I, I've shared with you my belief that that righteousness for us means to be conformed to the image of God, which we find in Christ. That that definitely in Hebrew the word uh, justice involves charity and kindness and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's to be godlike. You can't say you're a just man if you are not a generous man. So I think that's extremely important to understand that. But let's look at what's being said in the gospel. Uh, I think this is utterly amazing. Uh, we find, I hope I didn't erase it, um, uh, uh, that, that it says, Wisdom is justified by her children. The word is children. And, 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 it doesn't quite say that. It says wisdom is vindicated by her works. The word in Greek is not works, but it's her children. Now, I've shared with you in the teaching that this idea of the Redeemer is someone who's a relative of yours. You may not see why God's commandments make sense, or you may not see why it made sense that John fasted uh, and and Jesus uh, ate and drank with sinners. But wisdom is shown to be just. Wisdom is shown to be, you know, there's a wisdom from below, wisdom from above, but this you only know when something is wise, when it bears fruit, or if God has said it. You know, you're not going to see the immediate uh, fruit of, of the, the commandments. But in, in, in the children of the commandments, what the commandment has produced, which is why they say works. But it really is wisdom is justified by her children. And I think that makes great sense. This may not make sense to you now, but it will. All right, we're going to go to phone calls. 888-914-9149. We've got George uh, calling from Visalia, California. What can I do for you, George? George? Is George gone? Hello? Oh, George, there you are. Yeah. Hi, what can I do for you? Hi, Father. Yeah, so, Father, I have a family member who is uh, gay and wanted to bring their partner to our Christmas party, which is here at our home. But I have a 10-year-old, uh, and I'm kind of concerned about it. As you My should be. My heart tells me not to. My heart tells me not to mm -hmm. accept that. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to see what you had to say about this situation. You know, wisdom is vindicated by your children. That's what I have to say about it. That that um, if they would make a solemn, well, I, I, you know, oh, this is a really tough thing. Um, I have a very dear friend who's, uh, after 25 years of marriage to his wife, uh, dumped her like a bad habit. And uh, this friend of mine, being a devout Catholic, 
um, would not allow this fellow to bring his uh, his concubine. That's the word. That's the proper word for it. Wouldn't allow allow uh, this fellow to bring. He always hosted the Christmas party. This friend of mine, a big family gathering in that family, and he would not allow his concubine. Uh, this fellow to bring his concubine uh, because he'd been related to this divorced woman for twenty five years as a sister in law. And the family broke up over it. And it was the right thing to do. You know, you're going to, I would say, um, uh, my tendency would be to agree with you, to say, no, I, I can't do this. We're, we won't have the party this year. Well, how dare you? It's your fault that you've ruined the family. No, I didn't. You made a, a decision that, you know, uh, I can't live with. And... Um, you know, you, you sponsor the party. You have the party. I would say you're right. And when people get mad at you for being narrow-minded, saying, um, I got a kid to think about. Uh, for this, a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Your primary relationship is to your wife and to your children. It isn't to your, even to your parents. Now, are you a Latino? Uh, yes. 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 I am. Yeah, that comes as a shock to a Latino. I've lived my life with Spanish-speaking <laughs> people. You mean I'm supposed to be closer to my wife and kids than I am to my parents and family? Yes. Yes, you must consider them first. And so I would say, um, uh, you know, if everybody gets mad at you because you've destroyed the family, we're not having the party. Say so you can have a party. It's just I'm not going to be part of it because. My wife and kids are everything to me, and I want my kids to grow up protected as long as I can from what I believe to be morally wrong. It's it's really tough. Right. I have lost relatives. Uh, you know, and it is it isn't just the the fact that it's it's uh, a same sex relationship. It's that these people are in a non covenantal marriage outside the the church that that has given your family life. You know, are you are you from a Mexican background? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. Mexicans, yes. every Mexican is a child of the La Virgen de Guadalupe. Have you ever thought about that? The mestizaje, the yes. mixing of Mexicans. It's, it's, the, it's one of those rarest countries where there is an almost perfect blend of Spanish and indigenous people. That wouldn't have happened except for the miracle of Guadalupe. To be a Mexican is to owe your very existence to God and to the Blessed Mother in a way that very few people can say. And to turn her back on the, on the faith that has given her life and has given you life is, is reprehensible. You haven't turned your back on her. She's turned your back on you. Uh, but it's what I feel. Well, I feel lots of things too, but my loyalty is to my wife and to my children. That's, I, it may sound harsh, but... Um, remember what it says in the book of Joshua. As for me, I and my house, we will serve the Lord. I, I wish I could give you easier right. news, but that's really what I believe you got to do. But pray about it. You know, right. I've been wrong before, believe it or not. But uh, you know, <laughs> I've been I've been in that situation and have uh, and have lost uh, familial relations over it. It's it's a difficult thing, but. There you go. All right. Thanks for calling in, George, and I will be praying for you. It's a tough thing. And, and again, Lord, if I am mistaken and in this situation he should do that, Lord, you bless him and give him greater wisdom than I have to give him. Let's go to Kathy from San Diego. San Diego, I guess, as we say in English. How, what can I do yes. for you, Kathy? Yes. Uh, 
San Diego. Hi, Father. Um, I have a question about clarifying the word beseech. Beseech me. Yes. Um, and, 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 and how that goes, because I have had a priest recently, you know, I'm, I'm a catechist, and uh, Godspell is one of these, yes. you know, uh, young people uh, plays and things, and it's Lord beseech me. And I just want to clarify the meaning of that and how I can explain it to my, my young people. Well, it means uh, it means to to uh, to beg. The word oh, okay. yes, it means to beg. It is from an old English word, besekin, which uh, <laughs> it there's a prefix in English, be. Mm-hmm. It's an intensifier, like smirch. To be smirch okay. means to really mess up. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, when someone is late, uh, if they're belated, they're really late, they're dead. So it's an intensifier. So second okay. means to seek. The second means to be looking for desperately. You follow? Okay. So okay. It, it's, uh, yeah. it's from the old Frisian Beseca. So, uh, or it's close to it. Uh, it means to beg. There. Okay. So beseech me means to, um, when we say, Lord, beseech me. I, no, we beseech us. the Lord. We Lord beseech you, O Lord, hear us. We're really begging yeah. you, Lord, to hear us. Yes, and okay. it, it, it means okay. to pursue intensely. Okay. There you go. All right. Hey. Okay. Oh, isn't language fun? English. <laughs> English. Thank you so much. But, you know, I just need a way to, to yeah. explain it. Exactly. To people. Good. Yeah, I'm glad. No, this yeah. is wonderful. Yeah. Somebody who actually wants to speak English and explain it. It's a beautiful language, but needs some explaining. <laughs> I, I'm right. glad it's my first language because I, I could never have learned it. All right. Thanks for calling in. God bless, Kathy. Let's go to Diane from Minneapolis. Are you with us, Diane? What can I do for you? Yes. Thank you, Father, for taking my call. I really appreciate it. I have a question about Matthew's parable of the workers in the vineyard. Yes. And it's about the last few words in there, and it says, For many are called, but few are chosen. And he states that after he goes through and explains that all are welcome in the kingdom, no matter at what point in time in their life they come to the Lord. And to me, why would he say then few are chosen when he just says everybody's welcome? It sounds like he's getting picky all of a sudden. Oh, yes, he's very uh, uh, um, picky. (laughs) This is, this is, uh, it's a very difficult saying of of the Lord. It's Matthew 22, 14. But if you look in the context of it, that, that, um, well, let let me look, and I'm sure that that this won't help, (laughs) but I'm going to look anyway. Uh, Many are called, uh, but few are, (sighs) Let's see what that word really means. Eclectos. It means uh, uh, chosen, uh, and the idea is chosen with intention. That 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 called here is is the Greek word is eclectos. It means to select or choose, but it means because of a personal preference. You're chosen out of a personal preference, which is which is, I think, even harder. That 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 God just. There are some people who really God's looking for. 
how do you how do you get around this? This you you could have thrown me a softball, you know. It's I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, it's <laughs> Sorry a, about it's that. A, no. Well, hey, I'll, I'll survive. It's an important important question uh, that that if you in the, in the story, as I recall, if I'm recalling the right story, that that um, the. Um, uh, the, the 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 calling uh, the wedding the wedding uh, um, uh, you had to wear a, a suitable garments for the wedding and this idea of God only really chooses the people who have chosen him so this person comes in dressed like a slob and uh, he hasn't responded to God's call. You follow what I mean? There's no personal preference. Yeah, I'll go. It's a free meal. But if he really was there to serve and love the master, the king, he would have dressed well. You know, he thinks he's doing the king a favor just by coming to the wedding. No, no, you're not. That this has been a special calling from a king, and you should do so appropriately. And we need, and I, I think of mass and, and proper attire for mass. Yeah, I'll go to mass. You know, I'll, I'll do God a favor. I'll show up. No, no, no. You're not doing God a favor. But he has, by his dress, refused to respond to this personal call. Does that help? A little bit. It's yeah. kind of about where he goes in the vineyard and he picks workers out different times of the day at the oh, end of the day. I'm, 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 he, I'm, I'm pontificating on the wrong parable. Oh, no. Can you ask me that Monday? And I'll work on it. I, I Oh, dear. Brilliant teaching on the wrong parable. Well, it's the way I I roll. (laughs) Stay tuned for Drew. He knows what he's doing.